Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another edition of Finding Your Soul and Success. Leaders sharing their inspirational wisdom with our inspirational host, Kathy Cartarian. Hey, Kathy. Hi there, and welcome back, everyone. I am so excited today because I have my dear friend, Tinker Lindsay, with me. Welcome to the show, Tinker. Thank you. I'm really excited, too. This is a treat. <laughs> Great. So I have to tell you about Tinker. She's amazing. She is an accomplished screenwriter, author, script consultant, and conceptual editor. She's a member of the Writers Guild of America, Independent Writers of Southern California, Mystery Writers of America, and Women in Film. She has uh, worked in the Hollywood entertainment industry, writing and developing films for over three decades. She graduated from Harvard University in in English and American language and literature. Completed a postgraduate at Radcliffe College in publishing procedures. I had the great honor for Tinker to collaborate in writing my book, Feet to the Fire, Finding My Soul and Success. And I'll tell you, she's what makes it really good. So <laughs> welcome you. again, Tinker. So how did you how did you even start to become a professional writer? Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, just to say, Kathy, without a good story, Feet to the Fire would not have made a good book. And your stories uh, grabbed me from the minute I met you, and that's why it was such a wonderful collaboration. Thank you. Um, Well, I I think I always had a yearning to be a writer, but I had a lot of fear when I was younger about actually doing it. I was raised to be kind of a manager and controller of things. Nice white Anglo-Saxon Protestant from the East Coast with um, and father a banker and uncle a lawyer, another uncle a lawyer, another uncle a lawyer became a politician and you get the picture. So, um, So I did take a course in publishing procedures because there was a part of me that thought, well, at least that's kind of close to being a writer. But I was an avid, avid, avid reader from when I was a I actually kind of spontaneously started reading when I was three years old. Wow. And um, and I, I was just drawn to that world. Um, I did, didn't did know what form it would take. And when I was at Harvard, I took a, I worked for the Harvard Crimson as a journalist. And I was like, hmm, it's not quite that because I get way too involved in the stories and I can't maintain the ob- objectivity that is necessary. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So I, so I um, took a seminar that was called um, Nonfiction Writing Using Fiction Techniques, because I was thought, okay, that kind of does oh. both sides. But I came into the middle of the year in the seminar, and as you may or may not know, Harvard is an extremely competitive environment. Oh, yes, yes. And it's a, uh, it was a seminar in which the, the students wrote for each other and critiqued each other. And because I came in in the middle of the year, I wrote oh. my first essay, which had the title Freshmanitis, which tells you, Kind of what you need to know about it. It was pretty bad, uh, and, but it was my first try. And um, but I overheard a couple of students talking about it, and basically yeah. their attitude was like, "Who let her in?" Oh wow! And was it men and women both? Men and women, but okay. mostly men. Good question. Yeah. And it was a man who said that. And uh, <laughs> I love men, but yeah, competitive Harvard. Who let her in anyway? And. Um, and so I determined that I shouldn't be a writer, and I literally didn't oh. write for 
uh, the next several decades. Um, wow, that set I'm, you back? That yeah, I'm statement. very sensitive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> very sensitive soul. And, so. uh, but the good thing is I lived a very full life yeah. during that time. And yeah. so when I finally made a decision to do a complete reinvention of myself, yeah. I had a marriage that fell apart. I had um, a lot of things kind of collapse in me. And at that point, I was like, okay, what do I really want to do? And it was right. And what I'm most afraid of, and that was right. And so I thought, well, let me break through the fear. As you know, in your book, you talk about that. Oh, yes. And so I determined that I would I would try it. And I had a lot of beginner's luck, I have to say. Once I decided to use my authentic voice in writing, I was offered a couple of jobs. And this is, mind you, in my late 40s as a woman in Hollywood. Wow. Um, Pretty much doesn't happen. But there was somebody that read an essay that I'd written that was a personal essay using nonfiction writing, using fiction techniques. (laughs) And uh, it was about me deciding to run a marathon for the first time, having never run in my life. And it had a lot of dark humor, which I'm very drawn to, as you also know, Kathy. Yes, yes. And, um, And that started it off. And that taught me a lot about facing fears and doing what you feel is the most important. Yeah, we talked about that earlier because facing your fears, um, you know, I had a lot of fear too when I was told, well, you're a woman and you can't have a company. So I go start one anyway. And, you know, the fear, you know, I talked to it and said, well, I know you're there, but come on along. We're going to do this anyway. Exactly. And I think that that's, but, but also you, when you, Follow really what your excitement is. That is your path. So here, at, you put a big delay in the middle of it. But look how, uh, when it's supposed to be. And I had a lot to write about. Yeah, I yes. remember going in, I, yeah. had, I joined a writer's group, which I highly recommend for anybody who's interested in oh, writing, because it yeah. was my way of getting a much thicker skin. Um, you've heard, you know, yes. somebody hearing one critique, and I collapsed. You know, we worked with a group, very kind, but very tough. And um, when I was describing an experience that I'd had late in my marriage with an extremely interesting but volatile and challenging person where every day was an adventure. And I was describing this one absolutely insane experience that I'd had. And one of the writers leaned forward and said, you know, I I do feel for you, Tinker, but I really envy you, your material. And (laughs) that's what a writer does. We take it and we turn it into whatever gold we can. It's so exciting. You know, just one short aside is that I was on the board of the Women's Leadership Forum at Harvard for a couple of years. And, and you know, we had just, just wonderful women on this board, like 70 women. And uh, the business school dean came over to talk to us one time. And he said, well, he says, I heard you girls were in town. That's the first thing he said. He said, and, you know, he says, we're Harvard and all our MBAs always get hired. Well, now they're getting fired in record numbers because they, you know, they, and he was very insistent, you know, they know the work, the A to B to C to D, but they can't get along with people. They can't manage people. And there was a lot of, um, I think a lot of, I'm going to call it sexism about men and women in business. And so I found it very interesting. Then he said, so what do you girls think we should do? I can tell you the room, they were shuffling in their chairs, you know. 
And um, it, it, it's an, so I can understand maybe how you got so triggered. It's very, it, I didn't, I went into it thinking it was quite balanced, but it's still. No, and, and you know, when I, yeah. w- the tradition, when you, um, you comp, it's called competing to get onto the crimson. Oh, yeah. um, and that right. was during the years when Harvard and Radcliffe were really having a very schizophrenic relationship with each other. They couldn't decide what to, I, I, I got accepted at Radcliffe. I got a Harvard degree. In the middle, they tried this thing they called co, co, co-education, non-education. I don't know what it was. It was like it didn't make any sense what they were trying oh, to do. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I just was going there because I liked Cambridge, Massachusetts, and sure. it looked like it was going to be a lot more fun than my Episcopalian all-girls boarding school, which it was. <laughs> but I tried out for the Crimson, yeah. and I, I had the um, honor, dishonor and honor. I got told I, I got accepted, which is a huge honor, but I told I got told I'd written the worst first story ever. They gave me an assignment to write about a Lithuanian professor who was giving a chair for Lithuanian studies. And I turned in this thing and the editor said, Tinker, I, I can't find the news in this. That's and it. I said, like, that's because there's no news. What's interesting about this? But then I also during this, yeah. I'm dating myself, but this was also during the time of the Cambodia bombings and all this stuff. And I had a oh. very, very exciting night where I was writing all these stories and fielding all these stories. Anyway, they let me on the Crimson. And inside there was this thing called the Big Red Book. And it was where people, again, would critique people coming in. And the first thing they talked about was my legs. And I was like, <sighs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think it's like that today at all. I think times have changed tremendously. Um, and I do yeah, think that there is a little bit. I, more than more than not, I like to say. Okay. I'd like to think that <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but very interesting. I just recently completed a um, short film where I wrote a short story that I adapted of my own into a short mm-hmm. film and my husband directed it. We just finished it a few weeks ago. It's called um, Catch and Release. And basically the whole story is about the subtle, subtle ways in which we are still all of us embodying institutional sexism. I mean, yeah. all of us, myself included, the mm-hmm. things that we haven't yet dug out to understand it's not the blatant stuff that's dangerous mm, today yes. it's the subtle stuff it's the it's the it's the embedded ideas that we don't even know we're still carrying and i think that's where our challenge lies now in this whole arena yes in the world right in now. the world absolutely yeah, in the world yeah so how did your spirituality actually affect your work yeah. interesting question um I, I learned how to meditate when I was 19. While I was in college, I, I became a, a practitioner of, of TM at the time, and yeah. then I became a teacher of TM. And, um, and, and then that kind of changed that practice, whatever my, I've been practicing some form of meditation, yeah. some ta- tangible meditation my whole life. But then I also got involved in a recovery situation and Basically, what I what I felt throughout my life, and this is something I really related to in your book, mm-hmm. Kathy, as well, our book, is um, I kept bumping up against something wherever, whatever I was practicing or believing or attending or whatever liturgies or whatever practices or whatever spiritual worlds, there was always this moment when they would say, my way or the highway, whether it was mm. subtle or blatant, it was in there. Yeah. And I never appreciated that. And yes. so 
wh- where I feel right now is whatever works and bless all of us if we have something that works. And it that means finding the humanity and not judging whoever you're with, whatever they're doing, wherever you are. You can certainly have strong opinions about it, yeah. but but if you cut off the humanity of other people, you are really limiting the ability for anything to change. And for me, in a, as a creative person, when I work, when I write a screenplay, or when I write a book, or when I um, collaborate with someone else's, it's really, really important to me that everybody in that book, or screenplay, or whatever, has a right to their own path to get to where they want to go. And that yeah. path may include things that are horrific in my eyes. But if I allow them the option to learn and change, like I want to allow myself, yes. then that is my path as a, as a as not just not just when I wake up in the morning, but when I put pen to paper, when I start tapping on the keyboards, when I start... And, mm-hmm. and even in collaborating with people, it's important yeah. that we, we all... Um, for me, n- none of us takes the point of view that it's my way or the highway. I just don't think that helps. No, it doesn't. And there's so much, there's a lot to that. Um, you wrote another book. You wrote a book besides you helped write my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that book. Well, there's several. I, I have two unpublished books. One is the oh, first okay. book I ever wrote, which is a novelization of a true crime. <laughs> and uh, again, that was based, I, I actually was um, aware of this because it took place in a place where my ex-husband and I had a, had a cabin. And, um, and I wrote it from five different points of view, and that was the beginning of my stepping into different places. And that's called The Last Great Place. And then I wrote a memoir about my, I call it a divorce in the multitude of voices. Um, and that wow. was my- That's that, a great title. Yeah, yeah. actually, what, it, what I, my original title for it was My Hollywood Ending. <laughs> and, uh, and then I have a more spiritual title, which I, depending on which manuscript, which publisher I'm sending it to, it's called The Sound of One Heartbreaking which is kind of based on a Zen Cohen, what is the sound of one hand clapping? And I was like, okay, well, what is the sound of one heartbreaking? Um, But then I also wrote in the spiritual side of things, this Mm -hmm. is a fascinating job. Um, I think this is one you're talking about, Milton's Secret, or are you talking about the mystery series? I think Milton's Secret. Yeah. Yes. Milton's Secret took, uh, the path that Milton's Secret took was Eckhart Tolle wrote a children's book, children's picture book, uh-huh. called Milton's Secret. That was adapted into a young adult film called Milton's Secret. Mm. And then Barnett Bain, who directed uh, Milton's Secret, the film, came to me and said, would you adapt the film Milton's Secret into a young adult book called Milton's Secret? Oh, so, you know, yeah. when I say I adapt films, yes. I write books that I adapt, I do, this was like one of everything. And it was fascinating yeah. because, again, I was, first of all, standing on the gigantic shoulders of Eckhart Tolle. I mean, how humbling oh, yes. is that? Um, <laughs> the man right. is extraordinary. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I was also watching a film and then kind of putting the story that would have it, it was like the, a cart before a horse kind of thing, but it was fascinating for me because I got to pick up what they had taken from this film that they had changed from the book and then gone deeper into that to yeah, present for yeah. young adults a story that might 
touch them as well. And it was a, it's a lovely story and a lovely film. And I actually recommend all three versions of it. It's fascinating to yeah. watch. You yeah. know what I like about it is the synchronicity that exactly that, the way it all unfolded. Um, we're going to have more with Tinker in just a moment. We're going to break for a short commercial. And just a reminder that our host, Kathy Gardarian, has a book out called Feet to the Fire, Finding My Soul and Success. And it's something special. In this transformational memoir, Kathy shares her inspiring stories about how she found her own soul while climbing the corporate ladder. Relying on open-hearted love as her primary motivational tool, Kathy defied the traditional male business structure to become founder and CEO of her own company, Qualys International, a multi-million dollar sales and distribution company with clients like Home Depot and 7-Eleven. Within these pages, Kathy emboldens readers to bravely hold their own feet to the fire while giving them the tools necessary to achieve deep, meaningful change in the midst of discomfort. With humility, humor, wisdom, and warmth, Kathy offers an alternative path to prosperity using feminine principles that will empower women everywhere. As Deepak Chopra put it, feet to the fire is for anyone interested in true success. Using her own story as an example, Kathy offers useful, accessible tools for transformation, combining business with self-awareness. Simply visit feettothefires.com. That's feettothefires, plural, dot com. Great. Welcome back. So, Tinker, um, you do so much creative, cre- creatively in your work. How do you, do you, how do you get work? How does it come to you? Oh, it's so funny. I was just thinking about synchronicity. Yeah. Um, very often it's uh, it comes from friends through friends through friends in the oh. sense that um, the way that we worked together was by way of somebody else that had told somebody else about me to you. And it's asking, you know, people ask. Um, I'm in a kind of interesting niche because I do feel very strongly that First of all, I love collaborating. Yeah, um, I yeah. love the process of it. I do really believe that two is more than one and three is more than two and five is more than whatever. And the more you align yourself yeah. with people and, and let your egos, check your egos at the door, the more <laughs> wonderful things can come out of that. So I love that. And certainly in filmmaking um, collaboration, you know, you have to do that because you can't do it by yourself. Um, but but very often with books, it it's a very solitary profession. But I have done a lot of collaborating. I um, my job that I got doing a, a, a series with um, best-selling author Gay Hendricks. Oh, yeah. It's a mystery series. Yeah. Uh, he came to me because somebody else said to him. He said, "I'm looking for an editor." And this other guy said, "Oh, you got to. I've worked with Tinker. She's amazing." And there's mm-hmm. a whole world as you know that has spiritual underpinnings where people find each other we all find each other right yes and and so i and so he called me and said would you like to edit this book and then when i it was a creative it was a detective book which i love detective books and i've always wanted to write one the first thing i said to him was i'm incredibly jealous because you've come up with a with a detective that is original and there's very few spots left it was an ex-tibetan monk who becomes a a um a private investigator, first a homicide cop and then a private investigator in Los Angeles. But, you know, it was just a wonderful collaboration. And I very quickly, I said to him, this is not um, 
editing. This is writing. This is co-writing. So yeah. uh, if we're going to do this, I either have to be a with or an and. You know okay, what that right. means? It's like a with or an and on the cover. On and the he cover. was like, and he's like, no, no worries. You know, go for it. Do whatever you want. And just that act of kind of generosity yes. gave the project life. And that happens with me a lot. Yeah. I, um, my one, I co-write screen plays. The two produced films that I've done, one is called Hector and the Search for Happiness, which is a um, qu- quite an interesting film. It um, stars Simon Pegg and Rosamund Pike and Christopher Plummer and Jean Reno and all these wonderful people. But yeah. it's basically a fable about what is the real meaning of happiness. And I co-wrote wow. it with a director, mm-hmm. Peter Chelsom, who I've worked with for years. He and I collaborate mm-hmm. on a lot of things. And... Um, and I think you know it. Create there's a very there are many responses to this film. I've never had such positive and such negative responses to anything I've worked on in my life. But really? the negative responses mostly came from people who didn't want to be told. Whatever your outsides look like, if you're not happy, you haven't done the inner work, and the inner mm. work is where it all changes. And they were offended by that. They're like, "What are you talking about?" Really? And I'm like, "Well." <laughs> I, that's what I believe, and um, yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, the way that Peter and I came together was that he and I were friends first, and yeah. I handed him an essay years ago that I'd written, and he needed a project where he had an American voice, and he said, "Why don't you do this with me?" So, it's always through the human connection that I get mm. work, almost always, and and I believe in that too, and it's almost like I've I've said it too that seemed like the next appropriate thing just dropped in my lap. Like it was just offered. And if you say yes, if it feels right. When you make the leap to yes. do what, even though, as to go back to the beginning of our podcast, you know, yeah. whatever the fears are, whatever's blocking you, yeah. if you decide to make the leap, you open your heart to whatever will come in that form. You don't want to try and make it be something, but you just say, okay, I'm open. I'm yeah. going to ask for help. That's a big thing. Yes. Rather than, you know, pretending I know everything or being too scared to show that I don't. Um, (laughs) You know, that is when you're, and once once that happens, my experience has been that the lights start turning green. Yeah. And not in expected ways, in unexpected ways. Right. You don't even have to push or pull. It just Mm -hmm. unfolds organically. Exactly. Yes. That's amazing. So is it hard to work in Hollywood? I mean, there's so many tales about Hollywood. Uh, and you've been doing it literally three decades. So. Well, I have, although I started late. Okay. And so it's not as hard if you feel grateful for the opportunities that have come. And I was I had yeah. a lot of beginners luck then. I had quite a few years where I felt like I was banging my head against the wall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I'm I'm of the opinion that if I don't see what I'm doing as a war, I don't have to shed blood necessarily. You know, I don't see it as a war. I see, oh, I see myself good. in a, yeah. it is a very um, difficult and you have to have very thick skin, as I said before, to be in the world of storytelling. But the fact that I get to do it, not that I have to do it, but I get to do it. Yeah. And that every day I don't know what's going to come across the transom. I don't know what I'm going to be asked to um, to to work on. I do feel like if I have a personal superpower, it is it is like I feel I think of myself as a dowser. You know those oh, dowsers yes, with yes. the things. And my dowser is 
I mm. run it over whatever it is I'm reading or working on or asked to rewrite or asked to do to find where the deepest, richest, most potentially soul-changing area is, and that's what I lean into, and that's what I try and bring forward. And not mm. everybody does that. A lot of times Hollywood is about what's going to sell the most tickets, what's just been the biggest success, what's this, what's that. For me, it's always about is there an aspect of this that can be soul-changing yes, and have a, a visceral effect on somebody that means they will then go, wow, what just happened? And yeah. that's my goal as a, as a storyteller. And that I get to do that in Hollywood, even a tiny bit. It's such a gift. Well, yeah. And, it's, and you're actually what you're doing is transforming the way that's some it. things are. And, you know, and to, be, to go deeper is always the key to change. It's and always. If they can read something or see something that they can at least say, wow, you know, that, that talked to me, that spoke to me. Yes. That, that's really powerful. Yes, and the notion right. that, that discomfort can be our teacher, yes. you know, which is a big part of, of your book, yeah. that is very, very true as a writer, too. When I get a block about something, when I feel, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling, you feel like you're nine and a half months pregnant and it's never going to happen, you know. And there is always this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in this forever, and it's never going to happen, and it's so uncomfortable. And somebody just save me from this. For my, it's always, for, in my case, always because I am not wanting to look at something that's underneath the thing that's blocking me. That means uh, taking responsibility mm -hmm. for my part in whatever is going on in the story. And I, if I, you know, I take a walk or I meditate, or I have dinner, cook a dinner, I do something different, nine times out of 10, whoop, here will come this thing, where I'll go, oh my God, that's what I'm avoiding. Yeah. That's what I'm avoiding dealing with. And if I don't deal with this, I can't be honest in this moment writing, and that's why I'm blocked. Would that be, I mean, what else would you say is that you, advice to other writers that's probably oh, gosh. one of the things oh i have a lot of tips for writers oh okay um, give us some okay so let's see my first tip would be whether or not you're getting paid for it make it your job in the sense that assume oh. that even if you can only set aside 10 minutes a day write it in your calendar from 8 10 until 8 30 every morning i'm going to sit down and write because that's my job because it will train you, first of all, to do it rather okay. than find all the reasons not to do it, which is a big thing for writers. And it will open the possibility for that to become more and more of a reality. I would also pick a place where you write and have that be your writing place. It can be, it's like a make it sacred to that uh, event. Okay. So make it allowable for that. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a one I would read Bird by Bird by Annie Lamott, who is a wonderful writer who uh, wrote a book about writing that is just saved me because she goes through all the things we go through as writers and is very funny about it and encouraging about it. Yeah. Find a writer's group if you can. Yeah. Um, so that you can learn to, to not only share your work, but critique others work, which makes you better at critiquing. Those yeah. are a few tips. Wow. And, you know, that actually spills over into many things. Yes, it does. Yes. It seems like my desk is always piled, so I couldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be a good place to write. Oh. Yeah. So um, what are your passions outside of writing, and, and how do you refresh yourself? Ah, let's see. Well, um, 
Today there is a wild card game between the Dodgers and the Cardinals. I am a big avid baseball player, a baseball player, a baseball <laughs> fan. I would love to be a player. Um, and I love going to games by myself, going there and being in, it feels like an incredibly egalitarian thing. I love the fact that as a storyteller, yeah. I always know pretty surely quickly can guess what the endings of things are going to be. You never know with sports, so it's yes. real drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also have five, uh, six, I'm about to have my seventh grandchild. I love spending time with my grandchildren. They're hilarious. And uh, they keep me not only young at heart, but they push my boundaries in a way that I love. I think yeah. that, that the, um, the more that the world changes and the more that the way we look at the world changes and the more that they affect the world it's going to help and i love i appreciate that about grandchildren uh i love to hike um i love to ski yeah and uh what else you know i i feel like i my hobby is what i get to do or my passion is what i get to do which is such a wonderful position to be in i'm also still an avid reader oh so that's but that's such a gift it's it a, that your work is really and I can still you. do it yeah, yeah no it's, it's wonderful. wonderful it's great so um i just want to ask you because the pandemic has affected people in so many different ways and some things have you know been better and i know i got a lot of insights about things that i really wanted to do and so how did it affect you and what happened during that time and well it's interesting um both my husband and i work at home and mm-hmm. so, as far as work goes, our lives didn't change that much. We, I used to think I was a really huge extrovert, but I've found over time that I'm much more introverted than I thought. Oh. And I love time alone, and I love yeah. my workspace. And so that part didn't change. It was a huge blow not to be able to physically connect with people, as in hugs and yeah. close contact. My grandchildren, we each of each of my families, my kids, four different families, sorry, they all were um, separate from each other and from me, so I could only see them from a distance, and that was painful. Yeah. It really made me um, consider my wild mind, I would call it, um, especially initially <laughs> when COVID came. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not that terrified of dying, but the notion of being that out of control of something was incredibly terrifying to me. And I hadn't realized what my mind would take with it. I remember saying to my husband early on, is it coming through the windows? Do we need to keep our windows closed? You know, there was quite a bit of B-movie catastrophizing (laughs) that I had to learn again. I've had it in the past, but it had settled down remarkably with the COVID kind of like (laughs) put gasoline on it. Um, I also really... I would say um, I got to know my neighborhood a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a local uh, photographer who made it his point to take, go behind the walls of everybody's houses and do photographs and and portraits of the people. And he came to me, and my first thing was like, no, I'm not letting you in, you know, forget it. I don't even <laughs> know you. And then it was like, okay, but outside, you know, and whatever. But I ended up, he's a really good photographer, and I ended up again just going like, you know what, I'm just going to put, put myself in his hands and see what happens. And he came out with a series of hilarious and wonderful and deep and ridiculous photographs, one of which ended up of me in a bathing suit falling backwards into my swimming pool 
<laughs> which was became a, on the calendar section of the LA Times. Like again, oh. my worst nightmare. This is not a body <laughs> that I necessarily would want to be in the LA Times. But I learned That's from him yeah. that there's so much going on yeah. right around, right yep. ten feet away. If we just allow ourselves to open our eyes and slow down a little, and yeah. and again, just let it happen, let it evolve, let it. You know, be curious about it. Be um, kind about yeah. it. Don't yeah. make up all these stories. I, it was a real lesson and that I'm trying to hold on to now that things are opening up again. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of similar things. Mm. I didn't quite worry that it was coming through the windows, but I, I think slowing down and um, taking really uh, actually feeling grateful is probably the best word mm. of mm. all that I have and your health and um and then it did spur some creativity in me mm-hmm. as well and i've had some projects that i started that it was great you know to just to see the difference one thing though I, I do feel like i've lost touch with some of my friends and now there's a I have to find a way to get that reconnected i know and we it's a it's like a muscle that yes. we have to relearn how to use the muscle i had, I had a couple over the other night and i cooked dinner for the four of us wow and i was like I can I can still do this, you know. I, know. I cook fine, but this was like I went out and I bought the stuff, and I really yeah. and it was so lovely. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, it's easy to 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 for it's easy. It's like it is. It's like using a muscle that if you don't use it, it it atrophies. And this uh, connecting meaningfully person to person muscle needs to be. We need to all start reusing it and remembering how to do that. And I think it's very, happening. But Very well said. So I need to ask you, because I ask everyone, like, what is your favorite quotation and what does it mean to you? Now, this was a tricky one because, like you, I have, like in my office where I write, I have quotes everywhere. Yeah, and in I my book, them. I write yeah. them down. Mm-hmm. And I have on my website, I have quotes that come up with each different section of the way so i thought well i'm gonna have to pick one today that means something to me and um i was thinking about you and Mm. i was thinking about you deciding to write the book that you decided to write and what a risk that was for you to um put yourself out there and doing a podcast another new muscle another new thing that that was a risk and i thought about me and all the times I've said yes to things where I thought I'm not sure I can do it, but I want to say yes anyway in the risk. So I, I found a quote that is um, from a woman who's a poet and an author um, from the late 1900s. And, wow. Uh, yeah, she, um, and she, was, she was kind of a renegade for her time. And her, her name is Catherine Mansfield. But this is a quote that I love because, first, first of all, I love it because it's about this notion of, of taking risks and I also love it because really we all like to think we're so terminally unique and in fact we're all on a path nothing's new under the sun really and we really are all arm in arm whether it's sisters to sisters brothers to brothers siblings to siblings you know however you want to look at it yes so I read this and I was like wow this is as true then as it is today as it will be two centuries from now (laughs) here's the quote okay Risk. Risk anything. Care no more for the opinions of others, for those voices. Do the hardest thing on earth for you. Act for yourself. Face the truth. Beautiful. 
Act for yourself. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. And face the truth. <laughs> oh, Tinker, you're so wonderful and so deep, and I love that about you and the way you put everything together. So how can people reach you if they want? Oh, they can um, reach me via my um, website, which is tinkerlindsay.com. And you can read a little more about me. I've got some writing up there. I've got the films. I have uh, a recent film that I just did that came out yes. called Security, which was actually an Italian film, but you can watch it on Netflix. It was number three on Netflix for about a month, and it came out of nowhere because it's an Italian movie with Italian actors. Um, oh, and so it's, subtitles? It's subtitles. Do oh. subtitles all the way. Don't do the dubbing. It's oh, terrible, okay. but the subtitles okay. are great. But anyway, it's a, a thriller that That's I'm exciting. excited about. Yeah. And um, yeah, and on that website, there's a place where you can connect with me via there, which will put you onto my email, and then I can answer. Sounds yeah. great. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Well, Thank you very much. to see you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Kathy. And so maybe there'll be another time you'll come back. I would love it. Then. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Another reason to tune in each and every time to Finding Your Soul and Success, where leaders like today's guests share their inspirational wisdom with our inspirational host, Kathy Gardarin. If you want to learn more about Kathy, pick up a copy of her book. We invite you to check out her website, Feet to the Fires. That's fires, plural, feettothefires.com. Proceed Talk Radio, we thank you for joining us. Streaming live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. 